Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is that time again, ladies and gentlemen. The Marketing Geeks with Justin Womack from Camarillo. Andra Sturgeon from the Netherlands. And Lisa Lamundi Grenville from Northern New York. And together we make. And the together we geeks. make. <laughs> and together we make. I'm going to say the fashionably chic. So you need to say the marketing geeks. You know what? I have a problem with fascists. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> So uh, I'd rather be better, better, better geeky than red. That's what I say. No, better geeky than, I don't know. It's just, it's just good to be a geek. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fashionably. Fashionably so. All right, all right. Uh, how about some news? Here's some quick news. You ready? I'm ready. ready? Bring it on. Bring on the here's, news. Here's the new, here's the new sound. All right. Google admits it lost out to buying micro buying uh, GitHub to Microsoft. So Google is actually going to buy GitHub. For those of you who don't know, GitHub is a uh, suppository, depository, suppository that uh, allows you to put pieces of code and get it posted so other people can grab it. It's kind of an open source thing, and so it was uh, uh, run by a community, but recently Microsoft bought it, uh, and Google wanted it bad. So uh, now Microsoft owns it, and what they're going to do with it is anyone's guess. I always thought a suppository was um, a certain type of medication <laughs> that you put um, a certain a certain way of distribution. You know, you could distribute your code that way. <laughs> Okay, Netflix is testing a new pricier ultra subscription tier. This is going to be $17 a month. Uh, that's what they're testing it. And it's basically if you want uh, HD or uh, HDR video, then uh, and this is going to be like 4K HD, you're going to have to pay, uh, pay a little bit more. But my thought is that if you're spending that much on an OLED screen, you can definitely afford the upgraded cost. Good point. Good point. It's a drop in the bucket at that point. I, I have not moved on to the 4K revolution. I'm, I'm happy with my HD television set. Uh, I don't see the value. I don't really need. I don't need like my home entertainment system to look like it's more real than real life. Yeah, I, I uh, and it could just be you know it could be one of those things. That I, and just as a side note, I was uh, when I was working for Comcast, um, I was there when 3D suddenly came out, and everybody wanted their 3D boxes. And I have to tell you, uh, that was a nightmare because it lasted. That it, a fad. It was a fad that lasted for like six months. And then people were trying to configure their boxes and it was just whatever. All right. Uh, Sopranos sequel. There's going to be a, actually a Sopranos prequel movie that's going to be direct, directed by Alan Taylor. So, uh, yeah. So um, uh, they're actually going forward to do a Sopranos Prequel. Now, didn't Alan Taylor do the new Terminator movie? Didn't he do uh, Terminator Genesis? Am I am I correct there? Uh, he uh, yes, he did. That was his weaker. That was his weaker entry, I think. Yeah, but he did some other good work before that. He did a movie called uh, the The Merry Saints of uh, Newark, which I have not seen. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Terminator Genesis, which was uh, I, I I've scraped things off my shoe that were better than than that particular movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It had it had a few it had a few scenes that were uh, that were kind of cool, and then the rest of the movie was awful. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> unreal. Un- like, like you know, you get all that all that money together to make that type of movie, and really, that's like that's what you come up with all the money, all the time, all the energy. And really, 
like you know well well my my big news from all this is that they actually are rebooting the terminator franchise a fifth time i think how many times is this the yeah. fourth time third third fourth fifth i don't know but they're rebooting it and they're picking up right after terminator 2 they're ignoring terminator 3 4 and 5 and james cameron has gotten the rights back to the franchise uh for the first time since terminator 2 so he'll be producing and it'll be directed by um i think it's tim miller the director that did the first deadpool movie is going to okay. be doing the new terminator movie that's cool and they're bringing back linda hamilton so yeah, linda hamilton they, they were a few uh a few shots from set that were released recently of Linda Hamilton in character as Sarah Connor. So I'm I, looking forward to that. I, I, I hope I hope the opening scene is her like waking up and just going, Oh my god, I just had the worst dreams ever. <laughs> like I dreamt I dreamt that I, I, I John, I dreamt that you were older. Like who are they gonna get to play John Connor? Isn't uh isn't the uh you know young John Connor? Isn't um that, that that guy that played the played him and I mean he went oh, uh, Edward Furlong yeah is he is he like looking for his career in the back of a in the back of a couch or I uh, I think they should dig him bring him out I mean if they could dig Mark Hamill out of uh, obscurity and uh, and Carrie Fisher who hadn't done projects in a long long time they could they could find Eddie Furlong and put him on the Disney diet get him in shape and uh, and then turn around and put him back as a major movie star why not. Little little side note: Carrie Fisher was a uh, you know she was actually doing a lot of script doctoring in Hollywood. She was doing a ton of it, and she's one of the better script doctors in in, in Hollywood. Uh, George Lucas gave her a copy of Episode One. She read the notes, like read read everything, read the script, and the first note she said was, "Get rid of this Jar Jar Binks character," and uh, gave him a whole bunch of notes. He ignored all of the notes, and we have the masterpiece that we have today. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, guess what else is getting a reboot? Child's Play. They're going to do a Child's Play. Oh, thank God. Finally. Finally. I know. It's something that everybody wanted. I know. So, um, who will play the doll? Who will play the doll? Edward Furlong. (laughs) All right. And, uh, so a California court has just ruled that Yelp cannot be forced to take down libelous reviews. So if a business is getting uh, hammered by bad reviews because you have just a pissed off customer or something, uh, Yelp cannot be forced to take that review off. So if you really hate someone's business, then uh, they can't they can't do anything about it. So the, the, the moral to okay. the story so, is – But you just, got to, you just blackmail the customer then, right? Isn't Yelp just basically a big blackmail machine? <laughs> really, you know. Do you ever see that South Park where where uh, where they they had the Yelp reviewers and somebody was like, "Oh, I did. I did the restaurant, I, the restaurant reviewers, uh, right? The restaurant." I, I have a Yelp reviewer. Oh, right this way, sir. You know. <laughs> anyway, you, ever, you ever you ever do a Yelp review there, Lisa? No, I have not. I have not. But you know, I have a top story to share with you because okay. I like to talk about cute things. And okay, hold on, so, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, now. Now you can. Now I can? Okay. So, you gotta wait for the sound, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. You're just fine, but you had to, we needed the sound effect, and now we've had the sound effect, now you can speak. Oh, okay, I didn't hear it. So, anyway, do you know what the most endangered species Mammal, that is, in the world is. Mice. The most most endangered mammal. Mm, I don't know. Well, the last male northern white rhino died in March 2018. So they have actually come up with a breakthrough way to take embryos using eggs from a closely related subspecies and sperm from the dead male, dead male white rhino, and they're actually hoping that they will have a fully born baby white rhino within three years. That's pretty exciting. That is interesting. And then, and then cut to they open up an amusement park, and next thing you know, the rhinos are running wild. There's a volcano. <laughs> Exactly right. You know what's interesting, Andres? Um, I didn't realize this, but you know, Michael Crichton wrote the Jurassic Park movies, right? And they're about a cloning and about creating an amusement park. Well, Michael Crichton is also the mind behind Westworld, 
which is another amusement park type of uh, type of entity, which I thought was just fascinating that he has two like best selling um, franchises that are that are based on like these amusement parks that are about either robots or dinosaurs. Yeah, he also did uh, another uh, the Andromeda Strain, which was. Uh, but what does it have to do with amusement parks? Do they have an Andromeda Strain like world? They could. They could. <laughs> Disease land, you know. Maybe you can go to, <laughs> go to Vietnam land, you know. Nam land, I don't know. Um, all right. So, uh, any other news that we want to cover besides uh, the fact that in uh, the 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 next review that we do, we should do a movie review, a little quick movie review of Ant Man and the Wasp as soon as it comes out, which I think it's out this weekend. Yeah. When when does that come out? Is that coming out next week? It's this weekend. Ooh, yeah. well, I will have to do that. And I guess that'll be pre-Infinity War, right. I'm assuming. So uh, we don't want to give out spoilers, but I think it's going to have to be pre-Infinity War. I'll just leave it at that. That's right. And uh, Lisa knows exactly what that means. She knows exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> Lisa, I... tell us your opinions on Infinity War and how Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, and the timelines will converge in that I'm movie. I'm still going back to your second episode <laughs> and everything you said about Disney and the Little Mermaid. So uh, I'm still watching those Little Mermaid episodes. So I'm not moving on yeah. until until uh, you come you up know, with a different, uh, a different take on that, Andros. Okay, tell you what. You get over here and I'm going to box you. I'll fight you over that i'll arm wrestle you about that little mermaid episode violence does not violence does not beget peace andros (laughs) you do if you hit hard enough (laughs) (laughs) wait till he finds out that i'm i'm trained in krav maga yeah yeah that sounds scary i don't know what that is but it sounds intimidating well i don't know karate but i know crazy <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get to the meat of our show, which is today we're going to be covering copywriting. And uh, and 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 if you don't know what copywriting is, Lisa, I'd like to start with you telling us what you thought copywriting was when we first discussed this topic. Oh, you really want me to sound stupid in front of all of our listeners? I, I don't. No, I don't. I, I, Justin mentioned copywriting, and then Andres told me he was an expert. Justin was an expert in copywriting. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm real familiar with copywriting laws and make sure to make sure that I credit you know other people's work and uh, try not to take advantage of any anything that uh, it has a copyright." And I seek permission from publishers or publishing companies before I make copies on a copy machine, a Xerox copier, before I use anything for educational purposes, even. Then I get into this whole marketing geek world and I find out, wow, copywriting is something completely different than what I thought. So I actually learned a ton from Justin uh, telling me to study the work of Dan Kennedy. So Justin, I can't thank you enough for introducing me to another really cool name. Yeah, yeah, Dan, I mean, a lot of, you know, last episode we covered Robert Cialdini and his book Influence. And some of the principles of influence are actually going to carry into the copywriting world. Uh, because all copywriting really is when you break it down into its bare essence is that it's it's um it's basically a salesperson taking his craft from the speaking world to the written world so when you're writing effective sales copy it should be taking someone from point a to point b and moving them to either a transaction or to at least the next phase of your marketing funnel and we'll uh We'll talk more about that as we go forward. But Andros, I want to hear from you um, about kind of your experience with copywriting, and then we'll dive in and we'll talk about the fundamentals behind it. Yeah, well, so so the, the you know biggest biggest thing with copywriting, uh, it, it, maybe let me back up a little bit. It, copywriting is basically anything that motivates you to do something. The best copywriters uh, that motivate people to do something are clickbait writers. If you can write a headline like, you know, this shocking invention will shock you or whatever, you're like, oh, I got to see what that is, you know, 
uh, you know, this celebrity, you won't believe what they look like now. Okay. I'm, New law. And I love when they use your location as a, as a merge form, meaning that they, it'll automate, it'll, it'll auto populate your location into the headline. So it's like new law in Camarillo will shock you. That's where I live Camarillo. So that's why that's uh, relevant. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever click on those cause I just assume I'm going to, whatever that law is, I'll probably end up breaking it at some point. <laughs> right. So that, so that, <laughs> let me ask this question because here, you know, I really need to learn a lot about this fellas. So when you say these, these headlines, what you really want people to do is to take action and then click on something and, and get information. Well, the, the number one goal is we want you to click and take the next step. So if we're talking email marketing, right. obviously I need you to, if I'm going to be able to sell you anything or continue the conversation, I need you to open the email first and foremost. If you don't open the email, then I can have the best copy in the world, but it's worthless because you won't even see it. So, um, so yes, uh, so clickbait can be useful. Um, there is, there is some, depending on your audience, I mean, there are, there is a certain subsection of audience that is so over inundated with clickbait headlines, um, that that can be a turnoff too. But, uh, but from an overall general population standpoint, it's still the best way to drive uh, clicks on your emails or on, um, Andros is also referencing, like a lot of times you'll be on a website and they'll have sponsored, articles that are on the website and those headlines will be used to get you to click on the, uh, click on the headline, uh, click on those relevant, uh, ad posts as well. Well, I've, I've even seen that on Facebook where, uh, I'm just trying to scroll through my Facebook page and, and I'm, I'm looking and all of a sudden it's like, they show me a picture of a famous actor or actress and see what they look like now, 40 years later. But then when you click on it, there's at least 14 or 15 advertisements to get to the end. And you have to like click like 20 times to get their picture. Exactly. And yeah, and it's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking <laughs> because then you don't even know what they look like. <laughs> and you're not shocked. And you're not shocked too, right? You're not that shocked. You're like, right, ah. right. like, oh my God, she did not age well. You know, <laughs> um, so, and, 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 but you know, copywriting can also even include like emails. Like here's, here's like a, a something that I came across, for instance, is uh, when you're writing an email to somebody, one of the biggest no-nos that people do all the time is they use the word just and they say i just wanted to reach out to you and blah 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 blah, blah. or i was just checking up to see if you received da, da, da. and and just is such a like it has no reason to be there at all <laughs> just say what you're gonna say like hey i wanted to check up with you i you know i it, it just makes it seem so passive when you say that oh i just wanted to do that if you're not too busy so, so for those of you listening, if you take away anything from this podcast, don't use that word. Just strike it. Like next time you're asking, like if you for a meeting, ask for the meeting. Don't just ask them for the meeting. Well, yeah. Andros, I have to interject because if you're using just as an adverb, it could mean exactly like Andros. That's just what our audience needed to hear. You know, don't exactly. have to a PhD or nothing. All right. <laughs> 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 this is language expert. I have here. a PhD in results. Results. There you go. There you go. Results. <laughs> so, okay. but 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 there there are there are words that people use in copy that you that that really like. Let me just go over a list of words that you should never use. Since I, I have the word just right. So so can we do the sound effect for this? Okay. So okay. so these are the these <laughs> these are the words that that it's best to stay away from. So, um, market leading, like if you're market leading something, you know, uh, get rid of that best in class, world class, state of the art and cutting edge. Don't ever use those. Forget those. Like if you're writing something to describe it, don't ever say state of the art or cutting edge. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, industry standard first rate. Those are ridiculous. Like words to use to describe something. Uh, breakthrough. That's another one. Uh, next generation, innovation, revolutionary, pioneering. Uh, the reason why is because these words have been used so often, you know, uh, it's really, really not good to, to, uh, to, to place them because we've seen them. And so they've lost their meaning. Um, uh, don't say that it's the most whatever in its class. I mean, Anytime somebody says it's the highest rated in its class, I immediately think of overrun mm -hmm. car commercials. 
right? Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, don't, I don't actually, I don't know, like I agree with all those words that you have there. A few of them um, I think can be used in proper context. I do agree that they are overused, but I don't think that there's not a place at all to use them. Like the word breakthrough, um, I mean, that can be used in a lot of different contexts. I think there's still a place in copywriting to use it maybe even cutting edge. Um, those are the two other, I think everything else you said, I could, I could get behind, like not yeah, really but, using it, but, but, but yeah. I would recommend like, if you've got to use it, then use it. But it's like that you've looked up the thesaurus up and down and you just like, that's the only thing that works. Uh, I'm guilty of this one. Amazing. Don't use amazing. I, I say it all the time. Like, it's amazing. You know what a good word is? Stellar. Nobody uses stellar. Stellar's good. You can use that. I hear amazing, especially overused um, with people speaking, even more than writing. Uh, but I, I, I'm. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, that's you. That's you. Because, you know, I'm at, if I have to edit this podcast, I'll be like, I'm just going to cut out Andros saying amazing 10,000 times in a row. You should just cut me out completely. It'll probably be a higher rated podcast at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, fast delivery, superior quality. Uh, excellent customer service. You know, it's well, that that one's ridiculous because I mean, excellent customer service. Nobody, I mean, nobody buys necessarily because uh, because of that. They kind of that's kind of a reactionary thing. Like everybody assumes that companies are going to have good customer service until they don't. But I don't, I don't know that that's a great sales pitch presentation. Like I'm not going to buy from anybody just because they tell me they have good customer customer service. I will complain if I have bought and then it doesn't work out. Uh, but to me, that's more reactionary. But I think it does matter. But it's reactionary. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, utilize or leverage? I like I like the word leverage. Um, I do too. I think that's a good uh, word. leverage could be okay. But you know, you could just don't overuse them. I mean, I think benefit. You can say benefit from, for instance, like you, you will benefit from this. Like this is a solution you can benefit from instead of you can utilize this. Utilize sounds a little, I don't know. Uh, what about alleviate? This will alleviate your problems? I think alleviate is not a good word uh, in this context. And, and one of the reasons why is that effective copywriting should be written at a fourth grade level. Uh, I think alleviate is probably like a, a sixth grade level. I think we're getting it. We're getting into a. Yeah. Um, we're getting out of the the super basic terminology. And uh, so, with with copywriting, one of the one of the tenets that I have been taught, as far as my uh, the way I write copy, is that it should be it should be written at no higher of a level than a fourth grade level. Uh, which some which you see in politics sometimes. Some uh, some candidates in in politics <laughs> will speak will speak at those levels, and and the results uh, kind of show that it works because there's a certain you know what i'm thinking right now right i, I know, know exactly what you're thinking, what you're thinking. <laughs> I, i'm aware um Is but it, it's no. simplicity can help you land your message more effectively so if you get too complex and you you know you speak in a i mean we have uh, lisa here who's a phd um student if she were to write the way that she writes her dissertation that's not going to be effective copywriting that's just the reality it's not going to it's yeah. not going to sell as well as clickbait headline and well-written copy that's spaced out with one sentence per, uh, you know, one or two sentences per, per space, that, uh, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, there's, there's different rules. It's a whole different style of writing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's, here's a word that I, I admittedly, I actually use this word a lot and, uh, and, and, and actually I should, I should take it out of my vocabulary completely. And that word is actually, I say that way too often. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I think I have heard you say that quite a bit. Actually, I'm sure you have. And I actually have. <laughs> Justin, oh. have you have you actually heard Ju <laughs> Justin, have you actually heard Andros say actually? Never. Never. No, actually, uh, <laughs> actually the word see, actually the word is actually is um is one of the words that I, I I actually agree with Andros on completely. I'm not a big fan of it. So uh, we can we can kind of say we'll limit we'll limit that word in our in our copywriting. But I, I think a lot of these a lot of these there's, there's never like to me there's never a set rule that you can never use this word. You can always use this word. It's just it, everything is to be considered with what's what's out there in the what's out there with other copywriters. I mean, yeah, if everybody's using the same word, you want to be different. One of the things of effective copywriting is that you're different than your competition. You want to stand out. 
So if you're if you're writing in the exact same style as everybody else, which which kind of goes into a little bit of clickbait, although clickbait has so many psychological techniques that you can it can still work even though if you know what you're reading is clickbait, you can still click on it because it's so it's so uh, our brains are wired to want like closure. Like when when you read a headline that says uh, "See what this celebrity looks like now," like what you were talking about, Lisa, our brains are wanting yeah. are, are wired to want closure. Okay, I have to know I have to know what this person looks like now. Right. Right. And in, in NLP, which is um, something that uh, I, I've studied, which is called, again, neuro-linguistic programming. I talked about it briefly in a prior episode, and maybe one day we'll talk about that in more depth. Uh, but there's something called opening loops. And the idea behind opening loops is that you are um, you're starting a story and you're concluding it before before the punchline. Or it's like telling a joke without giving the punchline. Or it's like watching an episode of – do you remember the show 24 Andros with uh, Kiefer Sutherland? Yeah. Like every mm-hmm. episode ended on a cliffhanger. And I'm sure there's plenty of other examples, but that's the that's the example I'm going to use. Every single episode had like, like this gigantic cliffhanger. And so when you leave people with a cliffhanger – um, they are more likely – the brain is more likely to seek closure and then they're more likely to click or more likely to do whatever is necessary to figure out the, the end of the story. So speakers will use this technique too. Uh, you've probably seen this. You may have not have recognized it, but um, effective speakers will actually go out there. They'll tell half of a story um, and then they'll leave it with an open loop or cliffhanger and then they'll come back and they'll close it. Uh, they'll deliver their content and at the end of their content, then they'll come back and close it um, – at the end and provide the resolution. But while you have people, while you have people in that cliffhanger state, you're, you're more likely to sink into their subconscious minds because they, they're seeking, once their brain starts seeking that closure, your message lands more in the subconscious. That's the theory anyway. So I, I was, I was on stage with Justin uh, last year and we were, um, we were doing a seminar together and uh, and he got on stage and we, we talked about doing an open loop and you said, I'm going to do an open loop. And uh, you started, when you got up there, you had nothing. You had no story prepared. And so you winged it and you just like came up with like some story about you playing baseball. And, <laughs> and that was your open loop. And and uh, I just thought that was hysterical because I knew that you had forgotten what you intended your open loop to be. You knew you wanted to add one, and so you just threw that out there. So if you ever are uh, see us up on stage, uh, the three of us, and uh, he starts talking about his years of baseball, just know he never played baseball. And Justin, you didn't ball. play baseball? He's just, he's just playing, yeah. Well, no, he did. I, I don't actually, know. Actually, 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 I, um, I did play well, baseball. I played baseball until I was 16, and then I tried softball, and I didn't like it. It was like throwing a beach ball. Couldn't play it. Yeah. No, I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed baseball. I was a pitcher, a left-handed pitcher, um, and it was fun while I was, uh, while I was good at it. But then I, I, I got some pretty heavy injuries like late in my high school, early college, uh, early college career, because I actually played baseball uh, one year into college. And uh, then, I, you know, my velocity dropped and I just wasn't effective at it. And then all the fun went away. When you're not good at that, something, that it's no longer fun. So. Yeah. Now, you said a, a word that I like, velocity. <laughs> yeah. Does that does that come up in, in copy, copy text? Copy text? Velocity. Yeah, it, it can. I think velocity can work. I mean, where you're, uh, you're getting a little bit into the... Uh, into yeah. adult language there you know that's that's uh, a, a little a little more but that's still a word that people know what it means and I, I do like the word velocity and how important is that because here's here's my problem I like to make up my own words as the two of you know so mm-hmm. when I make up my own words that probably wouldn't be intriguing to people to find out what I'm what I you know proposing that, that may not be a good strategy to use in copywriting uh, keep in mind that my when I'm talking about this, I'm mainly talking about email marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a there's a place and a time for uh, different language styles, and with email marketing, you have a very you, you're dealing with a very short attention span. You have a very limited opportunity to get to get somebody's attention and and land your message, and you it's just the fastest way to land your message is with simple language and uh, and techniques like that. So if you have more time, if you get, if you're delivering a keynote or something like that, and you have more time with people, you can um, you can speak with 
more uh, higher level language and still land your message and still get a good result. So it, it is, there's no, there's no, none of these rules are are always going to be in effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do find that for email marketing uh, specifically, that you know, keeping your language down to a fourth grade level is is the most effective way to get conversions. So would you That's call it? Would you call it the Kiss Principle? Uh, you could call it the kiss principle. Um, okay. okay. Keep, you could it, call it that. keep it simple. Keep it simple. Stupid. stupid okay. I yeah. guess right. I've heard. I've heard other. I've heard other acronym interpretations of that. Okay. Um, there's a there's a software out there called Hemingway, and it's a it's it's like twenty bucks. It's a one time fee. You, you buy it. You get it for life. And it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool software though. But what it does is it helps you to. Um, it has two features. Number one, it'll help you to write more in the style of Ernest Hemingway if you wanted to do that. But number two, it'll actually give you um, the level. It'll 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 read your text, and its algorithm will determine what grade level uh, your writing is. So if you want to know kind of what grade level your writing tends to be interpreted as, you can use the software Hemingway, um, and it'll it'll reveal exactly like this. You write at a fourth grade level. You write at a tenth grade level. You write at a twelfth grade level. Where can we find that? Um, I would just, <laughs> I don't have the link. It's Google Hemingway. It, it's, uh, there's no affiliate program. So I can't, I can't hook you up with an affiliate link and make me and make me $5 off of this deal. So you're going to have to just buy it on your own, but it's, uh, it's $20 lifetime license. I think it's 20, it might 20 or 30. And it's, uh, just Google the word Hemingway, uh, Hemingway software, and you'll find it there. You can also, if you're if you're interested in a particular word, you could just Google uh, lexicon or lexile levels for particular words, and they'll you'll be able to find the grade level that the word's written at. Yeah, that is useful as well. I mean, what's what's nice about this is it'll take the whole conglomerate of words together, so that um, it'll save you a little bit of time. But yes, if you if you feel like you have a word that you're not sure is going to work, then that would that would work uh, really well. Cool. You know that. Uh... That reminds me of a joke. Oh, please, please tell me a joke. So, uh, does it have to do with a grasshopper so, going into a bar? Well, no, but okay, the grasshopper good. was in that bar. <laughs> so, uh, guy walks into a bar uh-huh. and uh, he sits down next to the grasshopper <laughs> and he uh, he asks the, the bartender for a drink and then he says, "And uh, I want a tiny drink for my tiny friend." And he pulls out. A, uh, a, a little man who's 12 inches tall, and he's playing a little piano. And uh, the bartender says, where, where did you get that? What, like, what, what's going on here? And he goes, well, I'll tell you the story. I was on a desert island, and uh, I was stranded, and I found a magic lamp, and I rubbed the lamp, and uh, a genie came out and gave me three wishes. And so uh, he, uh, he, I, first I asked for like a yacht that is mine and filled with money that will take me off the island. Boom, it was there. Uh, next, I wanted a bank account full of money. Boom, I had that. Uh, so I, I, at that point, I could do whatever I want. And he goes, well, where did this little guy come in? He goes, well, the genie thought I said I wanted a 12-inch pianist. <laughs> you have to remember the first line. Someone playing the piano, a pianist. Yes, I get it. A 12-inch, I get it. 12-inch pianist. <laughs> I get it. Wow, wow. That's all I can say. <laughs> that is that, but but see that uh, that has to do with copywriting. <laughs> I love I love that uh, uh, that way of bringing it all together. Thank you for I, I thank you for just summarizing good. everything I just talked about. Andros, I have a much better copywriting penis story for you. Okay, so there's this guy. Oh, okay. He pulls down his pants, and his girlfriend's looking at his penis, and she says. That was me. Oh my God, you have a tattoo on your penis and it says tiny. He goes, hold on, baby, keep doing what you're doing. And before you know it, it said Ticonderoga, New York. <laughs> you don't get it? Interesting. <laughs> you really don't get it, do you? No, uh, okay. no we, 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 we get it. We get it. We're guys. We get it. We get okay. it. We get it. Good. I, yeah. I, maybe if you've been to Ticonderoga, New York, it's funnier. You know, I have been. But, <laughs> oh, it's all in context. To go from tiny to Ticonderoga, New York is a big deal. Let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, uh, at one point during the show, we were talking about copywriting. 
And uh, now, Lisa, I, I gave I gave you I gave you the homework the homework assignment. I gave you the homework assignment to look up some work by Dan Kennedy. I did. You had mentioned, I did. I did you my had mentioned that you had pulled out the uh, ten questions uh, that Dan Kennedy will uh, will ask of his uh, potential target audience, and I, I wanted to hear those ten questions from you. Sure. Uh, it was really interesting because the first thing that I, I thought of when I read through the 10 questions is, you know, he, he really wants to find out what's bothering people to help solve problems. So number one, what keeps people awake at night? What's the indigestion boiling up in their esophagus, opening their eyes, staring at the ceiling? So, you know, what keeps you, Andros, uh, awake at night, staring at the ceiling? Crying babies. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Do you want the honest answer or do you want the radio friendly? Oh, no, no, no. Definitely honest. the honest, honest answer. Well, um, let me see. In, in all honesty, I tell you. Uh, oh, I love when you, when you hesitate. The fact that you're hesitating just means that this is going to be a good one. It's, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually, the, you know what? I sleep very well at night. I, uh, I have a whole minute. <laughs> all, all two hours. All two hours. In order to work with people on the East Coast and the West Coast while you're in Europe, I think you probably get two hours of sleep. So you probably do sleep well. Yeah. Here's question number two, moving right along, keeping uh, these boxes and being a hedgehog tonight focused. What are you afraid of what are you afraid of that's a good one i thought that was pretty profound number three what are wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. can we get to answer that oh, sure are, are what are you afraid that? of are you afraid yeah. of clowns justin i know somebody with a fear of clowns no i'm actually not afraid of clowns um but i've actually also met somebody with a, with a fear of clowns and there's a technical term for it i don't remember what it is um yeah. But there is a terminology. There's a, a certain type of phobia for clowns. Uh, no, yeah. no, I just uh, I just say random things sometimes. So that's all. Because I make up words, <laughs> I call it clownophobia. But that, it's because I make up words. So, uh, uh, what about Andros? What are you afraid of? I, uh, I, I'm I am a I am afraid of uh, living a life less ordinary and uh, sinking into mm. quiet desperation. Interesting. Okay. Well, this is a really good. All right, name. Mr. Thoreau. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait Can a minute. Can we, can we analyze that using the Hemingway software for 1999 <laughs> uh, and see what that really means? Uh, yeah, I'm going to purchase that. They're going to say. They're going to say. Stop plagiarizing people is what, what I don't want to ask anybody this question because this is always a long answer when I ask people this third question. What are you angry about? And who are you angry at? Because I really don't want to know. I'm oh, not a counselor. Yeah. We need, yeah. We need several yeah, shows exactly. to cover that Unless, one. Justin, do you have somebody that you're angry at or about? I get angry when I when I spill the coffee. And you, uh, some of you yes! heard, that, yes. heard that earlier. Spilled it all over the floor, all over my, my some books on the floor. That, that, that made me angry. But other than that, I don't really get uh, – I don't get too angry. So just like yeah. little things like that. When things don't go my way, I can get a little upset. Yeah. Well, in this one, um, number four, what are your top three daily frustrations? And, you know, when I read this after our last podcast, uh, we had a, a Zoom conference and, I, you know, I did double check. I want our, our, our listeners to know I did double check Justin's eyebrows. He does not have a unibrow. He does not need waxing. He has a very non-threatening look to his face. So I don't know why people think that he's scowling. But um, anyway, the top three daily frustrations, you know, mine, mine, mine would be the what unibrow. People? I don't know. He described in restaurants. He thinks that, you know, people are. No, people I, I told you that I've had angry. people, I've, I've had people come up to me and think I'm mad when I'm, when I'm just sitting there like um, I don't know daydreaming or staring at or staring into space so so I have a I have a resting face that suggests anger so that's that's he's actually just a space cadet that's right and, and I guess I, I don't smile that often so even though you saw me smile I don't do that that often apparently so I've, I've had I've received, uh, I've received verbal criticism that I uh, that I should smile more well, we'll get you laughing. What about you, Andros? Top three daily frustrations? Anything? Uh, top three daily. You know what? If I still lived in the States, I would be more frustrated about the current situation, but I don't. So um, uh, I would say my, you know, it's, it, I, I, this is, this is a true story. Um, uh, I take the train every day to work and every now and again, the train completely comes to a stop and the line is blocked. And it turns out that uh, on average, three people a day jump in front of the trains here in the Netherlands. 
and which is quite high for such a small country. So three people on average jump in front of a train. And whenever that happens, I always take a moment to think about, you know, deeply about like this experience and how it affects me and all the people here. And I think how selfish of this person to make me late. <laughs> like, how dare you? So that, that frustrates me when someone makes me late because they want no, to I'm kill just, themselves. Like, God. I have a question you for you because I heard yeah. that crime was down in the Netherlands. <laughs> now, is that just, is that propaganda? Are people really jumping in front of trains or are they being pushed? Oh, <laughs> what a twist. I don't know. That's Ooh, I, I like that. Yeah. We think yeah. that they're jumping in front of trains, but there's a, there's a whole like yeah. mafia out there in the Netherlands, the Dutch, the Dutch mafia. That's taking care so of number people. five, yeah. what trends? This is from Dan Kennedy yeah. again. Top 10 questions here. What trends are occurring and will occur in their business or lives? So not just trending in your business, but what about lives? Okay. So he, he's. Three, 3D televisions. 3D televisions. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Sex robots. <laughs> I just wanted to leave that with, with silence at the end. But uh, we, we talked about that a minute ago, didn't we? 3D TVs, they were a fad. They died. Yeah. So no, It wasn't totally out there. Number six, what do you secretly desire the most? Mm. Sex robots. <laughs> <laughs> what's, funny, what's funny is I think that's true for, for Andros. <laughs> you, know, you know why? It's, it's not. I mean, number one. I mean, he's uh, moved to Japan. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Like, like if you could really invent like the perfect sex robot, that's it. That's game over. You're like, you got more money than Bezos at that point. I mean, come on. Who? Like, I, I know somebody right now is going, oh, that's gross. But uh, secretly, you, if you could have sex with a robot and it was like pretty spot on, <laughs> I know you do it. <laughs> I think there's some toys out there that come pretty close uh, for our. Female listeners, you know what I'm talking about, ladies. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but but for men, all we have is just kind of about, uh, you know, 30 seconds and then deep shame <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> deep shame when the robot is still there in the morning. Uh, oh, God. But see, that's the problem is because if I had a sex robot, I wouldn't be afraid. Like, where would I put that thing, you know? Because I'd be afraid that someone would, like, open up a closet and then – the first thought that they would think is, oh, my God, he's got a hostage. Like, you know, that would be. Okay. This, so, is, this is the most important question. Would you name her Rosie? Remember Rosie on the Jetsons? I remember Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> I thought you were referring to, like, Rosie Pop and her five sisters. No, no, that, no. Uh, Rosie on the Jetsons. Who serves as my current sex robot. <laughs> I remember Rosie on the Jetsons. Yes, I, yes. I do. I do remember Rosie on the Jetsons. But wasn't she the? Uh, wasn't she? Uh, she was the robot. Yeah, she was. She the was robot. the robot. Yeah, she brought them their pill at night for dinner. They each had a pill. I that don't. So I don't cool. remember ever being attracted to Rosie though. I don't know. Well, was I supposed she, to be? She had a nice apron. She had a really nice apron on. <laughs> okay, moving yeah. on. Number seven. Because uh, I think Andres would like to, Andres would like to talk about his secretly uh, desired uh, objects more, but let's move on. <laughs> Is there a built-in bias to the way you make decisions? What do you Absolutely. think? Absolutely, but that's tough Absolutely. for people to recognize. That's that takes some self-awareness there to know if you have a bias. I think. Well, uh, like engineers typically uh, are very analytical. Okay, exceptionally analytical thinkers. Um, I know that I have a bias and I tend to make decisions on what's best based on what my brain says. So when I make a decision, it's going to be completely brain-based. And uh, I have really good friends. When they make a decision, it's like right from the heart, right from the heart. They're making a decision just right from their heart. And, uh, you know, it's great to be that way, but I've always been a very, a very analytical type thinker. So... Mm -hmm. Um, see, we, we all have biases because uh, the, the, the totality of your entire existence is based on stories you tell yourself over and over again. And so those stories, depending on how you view it, that shapes a bias. I mean, even the way that look at how you interact with things on Facebook, however you interact with things. If you're a paranoid person, you're going to get paranoid material sent through. They're system. watching you, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so, so... <laughs> 
Why do I get tons and tons of pictures of kittens? I can't figure it out. Kittens and puppies, they just pop up everywhere. Does it have anything to do with the fact that I'm constantly Googling pictures of kittens and puppies? Nothing, nothing at all. And I bet you don't, I bet you have, how many cats do you have at home? Five. Exactly. Totally irrelevant. So you got a cat bias. Totally irrelevant. Yeah. yeah. You got a cat, okay. So cat bias. The fact that you have five cats at home and you're and you're googling cat pictures all day, nothing to do with why you see cat photos on your Facebook feed because they don't they don't do any they don't do any spying. Facebook has told us that <laughs> uh, that was exaggerated. They had no impact on anything that happened in the election or since. Right. That's right. So this one's interesting. <laughs> Number eight. Do you have or do? Do they have their own language? So, you know, and it gets back, I think, into, you know, keeping the, the, the copy at, you know, the fourth grade level. But then are we talking about a different a different language that we're using as well? That's that's uh, that is speaking to the nomenclature in an industry. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're talking to insurance salesmen, you should know um, what an endorsement is or mm-hmm. what a premium is in that context, because premiums can mean different things depending on different industries. Um, you should know, you know, what's liability, you know, things like that. So you need to know the language of the industry and real estate, you know, what escrow is, you know, these different terms. So it, it, depending on the, the, jargon. Uh, on the industry that you're the jargon, the jargon, but this is, if you're speaking to like, if you're B2B and I'm selling to realtors, I need to sound like a realtor to be able to sell to them. If I'm, if I'm a realtor selling to consumers, then I don't need to use those jargon terms. I probably should use them less often. Right. So it's more about you need to know who your audience is and speak their language. Yeah. Well, and hmm. let me just ask you this, Justin, um, because in the world that I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time in, a lot of acronyms are used. Uh, does that become mm-hmm. an issue in uh, copy? Big time. Okay. Huge issue. If, okay. if your audience doesn't know what they mean, that's a big, big, big problem. Okay. So um, they're fine if your audience knows what they mean and they've been pre uh, and you know the, your audience just has to know because if you if you lose people because you're using too many acronyms then that's uh, that's an issue and it's going to cost you conversion. So if you're if you're running to sell, then that's that uh, will be a problem. You should you should uh, and, and for those of you uh, listening, you should definitely listen to our last podcast where we talked about building your tribe a little bit. So. It's, it's about gathering people around uh, a certain vernacular, a certain way of, of talking or a certain type of understanding that uh, will, will galvanize. So, you know, it, it makes I think that it also makes people feel a little more uh, like they're part of an elite group by uh, speaking in a certain way and using certain terms that only they would understand. Yeah. So we're talking jargon. Basically, this is like jargon in your in certain industries. So it, it so again, if you're if you are in that industry speaking to a general population, don't use it. But if you are like B two B and your you, and your population you're writing to is that industry, then you want to you want to learn the jargon and use the jargon appropriately. So yeah. it's, it depends on the context. Like earlier, we were talking about ADD, OCD, and VD before we got started. And, you know, some people may not know what those acronyms are for, but exactly. Okay. Well, so- I know there's at least one of them. I know that. <laughs> I got two. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't ADD, Andros. It wasn't that one. Uh, <laughs> ADD's one number of Number nine. Well, depends where he's buying his toys from. Uh, make sure make sure you read the, the insert that says, wash thoroughly with soap and water prior to using. Anyway, back to the copywriting. Yes. Uh, number Ms. nine. Miss Hedgehog. Who else is selling something similar? And how are they selling it? That's good. I mean, um, going back to, to NLP, which is an acronym, Neuro Linguistic Programming, um, we're, we're, I don't have time to define that in detail, but look it up. Uh, it's what Tony Robbins bases his entire platform on, teaching. Uh, they talk a lot about modeling excellence in NLP. So when you when you look at something like this and you're looking at your competition, the idea is you want to find the people that are getting the best results that are doing what you want to do already and doing it well. And you want to model what it is they're doing and not, not copy. So this is not copying copy, copy, copy. Uh, we're talking about modeling um, the basics of what they're doing, looking at their, their messaging, things like that, and then modeling it and putting it in your own voice. So uh, that can be a very, very useful tool to, um, to model excellence in others. 
Huh. I have a feeling Andros might want to say something related to this. Yeah, Andros models uh, what I do a lot. So, you, you know, it, Mr. Actually, it, it, <laughs> Mr. Actually, anything? It reminds, it reminds me actually of a saying from the. Uh, <laughs> ah, I can't. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of something uh, one of my favorite quotes from the Bhagavad Gita which is uh, for him who has conquered the mind the mind is the best of friends but for one who has failed to do so his mind will remain the greatest enemy again ordering, order Hemingway today that will be interpreted for you Hemingway I, I, operators are standing by <laughs> At now, I, 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 next five minutes. I was on the spot, Lisa. You, you like called me. And you're like, you have something profound to say, and that was all I got right there. You just, you, I just, I just had to like. That was all I had. I'm sorry. <laughs> at least, at least we know what you're thinking about at night when you're staring at the ceiling. Well, okay, the line, number yeah, ten. The mind can be a wonderful uh, servant, but it's a terrible master. That's all you got to know. That's that's good. That's really deep, very profound. I'm I'm thinking about Ticonderoga, New York now. Okay, number ten. Who else has tried something? <laughs> Who else has tried selling them something similar and how has that effort failed? Now let's talk about failure, Justin. This is huge. Yeah, when I was reading through these these ten and the last one left me with the the very last word with the question was failed and had to do with failure, I thought, ow, how could Dan Kennedy, of all people, leave us with this? The failure. Uh, this is a good segue into uh into The Last Jedi, right, Andros? You know, uh The Last Jedi <laughs> was a movie about failure. And uh <laughs> it was. It, it was. The movie was about failure and uh it was about how to completely take a good love franchise and make it fail. And uh and and actually here's the thing though. I I I I'm I'm really good at failure. I'm I'm I've gotten really good at it. Uh, but however, especially if you're an entrepreneur, it is such an important step in, in making things happen because uh, failure is the only way that you're going to learn. And uh, one of the things that's really funny about, about my son, who is about to turn four, he's three, is that if he starts something, like he plays a game and he's interrupted, he needs to start all the way from the beginning again. And I, I'm hoping that he can learn, like, no, you've got to lose Angry Birds once in a while. You know, it's like that. that's how you learn. And uh, But it's just interesting because I think that, uh, and in fact, uh, sometimes I'll ask people, like, how did you fail today? And they, they look at me like it's, like, that's terrible. But I think that failures are really, uh, they're, they're the thing that, that, that not only you can learn from, because we learn from our mistakes, but uh, it makes us progress further, and uh, no better way to fail than than like just do it. Like that's how I'm. That's how I'm learning Dutch. I'm I'm speaking a lot of it very badly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Absolutely, and I think uh, in the context of of uh, copywriting, yeah, the idea is that you you should learn from past mistakes and past failures. Learn from the history books. Um, so yeah. I, as an entrepreneur, don't be afraid to fail and fail big. That's one of the, uh, you know, that's a tenant in business, I believe. And so if you if you know of a company that's uh, tried a campaign and they totally fell flat on their face, or you know of competition that has already done this, then use that as research. Use that as what not to do and don't, uh, you know, when I talk about modeling, we talk about modeling excellence. We don't talk about just modeling anybody. So it's, it's finding what works and then uh, finding the, elements um within it that, that that make it work and then replicating those so is that making sense to you there, Lisa? i love it okay. and, and you know what i'm going to share with you my favorite failure quote because you secretly you know i have a huge secret we talked about secret what you're secretly afraid of but uh you don't know this but i wanted to be is it one of the three v's i no no i wanted to be the first <laughs> the first woman okay one of the first women to play in the nba this was before the WNBA because the WNBA was not out. I'm almost, five feet, I'm almost five feet tall, okay? And so when I stopped growing at 11, and I'm still the size I, I was at 11 years old, um, height and weight. Uh, you know, do you know how tall I am, by the way? You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're like 6'4". 
six five, but close. Yeah, I, I I just used this little thumb. I put my thumb up to the screen and I said he's a six four, six five kind of guy. Uh, so I love this because wanting to be in the NBA, I have some idols in the NBA. And so tell me who said this quote. Name this quoter. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. Michael Jordan. I've lost almost 300 games 26 times. I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life, April 5th, 2016. And it had to be number 23 on the Bulls, Michael Jordan. Yay! Thank you, Justin. It's a great quote about and I was starting to ruin it. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's it's okay. Did you play basketball? You're 6'5". I, I did, but only when I was like 10, 11, and 12. Um, I did not play basketball in high school. I, I was a football player, a wrestler, and a baseball player, but not a basketball player. So that was the Oh, man. Game. Six, five. Such a waste. Know, right? What a, so, what a waste of so potential. <laughs> the last time I met a guy that was six, five, I went up to him and I said, okay, my neck hurt. Like I, I had, I had three inch stiletto heels on and, and I had my neck up and I'm like, do you play basketball? And I love this. I learned my lesson. He looked down at me, Justin, and he said, do you play miniature golf? Oh, wow. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't ever talk to tall people. We'll always disparage you. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was just like, I was so excited to have a basketball conversation about, you know, the Celtics or the Knicks or, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Cavs. Uh, but you no, know, no, he just totally dissed me. Apparently, I was too short for him. <laughs> That's interesting. No, you know what's funny? Uh, I, I actually cannot wait until uh, we do our our first big empowerment weekend, which is uh, – that's that. We're, we're, I'm not going to announce anything, but it's, it is going to happen. Um, and when Jess and I have gotten on stage together, I always feel like I am like one of the lollipop – Guild on uh, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> well, you're you're going to feel very tall next to me. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I, I'm actually really looking forward to doing an empowerment weekend with you, Lisa, there as well, because um, now I I get to take them. I'll, I'll be like like Marsha in the Brady Bunch. I'll be the middle child. Right. <laughs> so wait, before we before we wrap this week, I, I do wanted to mention two. I wanted to mention two other principles of copywriting before we finish up here, and uh, we might go a little over our, our hour mark, but that's okay. Um, number one is that when you identify, so when we go through those 10 questions, Lisa, that you talked about, and we identify the pain points of, of somebody, we also want to identify um, their goals. And we want to do something called either future pacing or three-dimensionalizing their future success. So uh, in what I use for copy, a lot of times in my copy is I'll I'll take like if they want to if if I'm writing something and their pain point is that they're broke and they can't figure out how to make money or this is a just a quick example, I'll actually go in there and do what they call three dimensionalizing um, a future for them. So that's like imagine yourself now, uh, you've gone through our training program, you're waking up, you look you look at your bank account, you see that you have a balance of one million dollars. Now what do you feel inside? What are you going to go tell your friends and family? How are they going to react now that they know that you were a millionaire? Something. I mean, it's it's real basic. Oh, oh, you mean you mean they started with less? They started with oh, less. Okay. Right? I, I know. These are poor people. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're not like us, Lisa. They're not like us. They don't just have millions of dollars oh, floating around. In the... I, I thought maybe they started out with twenty million, and then they had failure number ten because we started out, you know, talking about failure, and now they're down to one million. What are they going to get rid of? The yacht? The, well, exactly. The but the, the point is, you're three dimensionalizing, uh, meaning that you're. You're taking, you're, you're making them visualize themselves having completed the results that you're offering through your program, your product, your service, whatever it is. This can work for anything. I'm just using an example of like a, a training program to help you make more money. Um, and then you're making them three-dimensionalize, meaning three dimensions in terms of what are they seeing, what are they feeling, what are they hearing, um, and, and the, what are their senses like when they have experienced the results of your program. So that's that can be part of effective copywriting is doing that. Um a guided imagery, really? In a sense, a guided in a sense guided yeah, imagery, but yeah. it's it's just getting people yeah. to get into the emotional experience. So uh, with sales, and you, you had mentioned this kind of earlier about like analytical versus heart-minded. In sales, uh, from a general standpoint, the way um, that I've been taught for sales is that you sell to the hearts and then you convince the brain. So you, you're always – people buy from heart-centered decisions 
uh, but then they need to be con- their their brains need to be convinced analytically of that um, of that afterwards. So you seduce the heart, convince the brain. So that mm. that is the general. That's a general rule. If you're an engineer, you just uh, seduce the brain, and you can just skip the heart because they, you know engineers don't really have hearts. But um, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, the the last the last one here before we finish is I want to talk about um, when you're giving a price. It's always a good idea to trivialize the price. And we we talked last week about um, the idea of inflating value and then dropping down the price. Um, so we already listened to the last episode for uh, a recap of, of that methodology. But there's also the idea of trivializing the price. If something's $100 for a six-month program, we can take, um, we can take that $100. And I w- what I would do is I would take uh, six months and you know, multiply by 30. That's uh, 180 days. And if it's, a, if it's a $100 program, I'm going to say 100 divided by 180 days. And I'm going to say it's this many pennies per month. So it's per day. So this is what it averages out to. So your average price, you're only paying, you know, I don't, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but like Justin, 60 cents a day, kills me. 60 cents that a day, you can have me. this amazing program. Or, or you, you can, can help a child. You can help a child in another country to eat. Or, Haven't you seen those commercials? Or for 60 for cents, a day, cents a day. Just do this. Just, you know, if, you need, job, if you need 60 cents a day, case. just go dig through your laundry. And if you're anything like me, you'll probably find like a dollar, two dollars just digging through the laundry for uh, for loose coins. And that will cover our program. You just got to do that every day. Or uh, just recycle your beer bottles, Justin. Just recycle your beer bottles. Brought to you, brought to you by here. Scott Pruitt. <laughs> in actuality, this podcast was brought to you by Star Child Interactive. Would you like to have a new website? Get your copy written by Justin. Get uh, your whole dynamic team together. Get everything you need to get your business going and rocking. Star Child Interactive. He's Star Child emails. Yes, and that's how we're doing. Uh, we've got uh, seven listeners. No, 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 we have uh, nine. Nine listeners. Nine listeners. We're now the uh, ninth uh, or the seventh most popular podcast on iTunes. In business. In yeah. all of business. In all of business. We so could you, not do it without our listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Most importantly, stay classy. Keep the fan mail coming in. We love you, people. Stay classy. Oh, 